morning, Jonah chapter number one. You can find your way over there this morning. It's good to, to see some familiar faces that maybe we haven't seen in a little while. It's good to, to have Ron and Jenny uh, with us this morning. And uh, we know we've been praying for, for Jenny for some time. And uh, whenever uh, I walked down the, the hallway this morning, I heard a voice. And if any of you have heard Ron before, uh, you know that Ron's voice is distinctive. And so uh, I heard Ron's voice and right away I said, oh, Ron's here. And I was so tickled whenever I came around the corner and saw that Jenny had made the trip too. And so we're thankful that, uh, that she was feeling good and, and able to be here this morning. It's good to see you guys. And uh, I was, uh, before the service started, I made my way over to Miss Eula in the back. And uh, I had the opportunity to sit down with her for a few moments and get to talk with her. Now listen, I don't think there's anybody in here that's, um, that's quite to the, um, let's say, the experience, life experience that Miss Eula uh, has had. Uh, Miss Eula, you're 95, is that right? 95 years old. And so I asked her, I said, Miss Eula, do you remember what, the, what World War II was like? She said, oh yeah, absolutely. I remember World War II. And she said, in fact, my brother served in it. And she said, my dad fought in World War I. And I said, holy smokes. I said, does anything like this remind you of uh, you know, what's going on in the world, what it was like back then? She said, absolutely not. So no, but uh, she said, man, it's, just, it's so sad to see what's going on. And we'll talk more about that at the end of the service. But I tell you, if you want to talk to somebody that has some life experience that probably has a wealth of uh, stories that you could listen to, go talk to Miss Eula after the service. And she just, she loves to talk for hours and hours, so you can just talk to her. And so, no, but we're, we're so thankful for Miss Eula. It's always a blessing whenever she's been able to make the trip over. I always say, Miss Eula is the excuse eliminator. And 95 years old, if she can walk out in the snow, get in her car and drive to church, you have no excuse, okay? And so I'm thankful for her. And uh, your, your, your bad day is just a good day for her, okay? And so we're thankful for her. We're thankful for her faithfulness. And Miss Eula, I want you to know that we love you and I'm grateful for you. And uh, you are such a blessing to me. Jonah chapter number one is where we're going to be this morning. And this morning is going to be a little bit of a different type of a message as we preach through this. But uh, I believe it's appropriate for things going on in the world, um, for things in our church. I don't know about you, but even as, as Isaac mentioned this morning, as, as we went through this last week, there were just times of just some somberness. Um, you know, as, as you see what's going on in the news and you see all the, the, the articles on social media and you hear all the things all around that's, that's going on over in Ukraine and we look at our own country and, and really a, a lack of, of response in many ways and the frustration that maybe you feel and, and going from frustration to, to just this welling up of I want to do something to just the heartbreak of seeing what's going on. There's, there's so many emotions that we probably felt uh, this week. I know I did. And as we come this morning to the Word of God, as I was praying and saying, Lord, you know, I, I want to I give something from your Word that's going to be a help. And, and I almost went over to a different passage of Scripture, but I, just, I felt the Lord pulling us back to Jonah chapter number 1. And I believe there's something that we can learn here from this passage of Scripture. I think there's something that we can, we can see in the Word of God this morning that can help us even in a day like today. When all, the whole world seems to be falling apart all around us, we mentioned in Sunday school this morning that the truth of the matter is in our life so many times we feel like there are times where, where things are out of control. And it's during those times often that, that we come to the Lord and we begin to beg Him to, to intervene and to step in and, and, and to, to have control of situations. And, and what that is is a misunderstanding of how things work and understanding of, of how God works. Because the reality is this, God has always been in control 
and he's in control today, and you and I were never in control, even when we thought we were, and we aren't in control today either. And we need God just as much then in the good times as we need Him today. It's just sometimes it's whenever we go through trials and when we go through times of uncertainty that we realize it a little bit more. This morning, we're going to dive into Jonah chapter number one here for just a few moments. We're going to look at it from a little bit different perspective. As we've started over these last couple of weeks, the last two weeks, diving into the book of Jonah, in the first three verses, we saw as, as Jonah rebelled and ran away from the command, the call of God on his life to go to Nineveh and to preach against that city, to proclaim to them God's judgment that was going to come. We last week saw as, as he drifted so far away from the Lord that now he had found himself in the belly of a ship, comfortable in his sleep, in his sin and in his rebellion. As we dive into the chapter this morning, as we look at God's word, before we go forward, I want to take a step back just a couple verses. Now I know what you're thinking, Kyle, we are never going to finish this book if we go back and we recover verses that we've already been through. No, 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 listen, uh, we're, we're, we're going to cover a bunch of, we're going to cover a bunch of verses this morning. In fact, almost the rest of the chapter we're going to look at this morning, but we're going to do it from a different perspective. For a few moments, I want us to take our shoes off, not literally, okay, but, but, but mentally, let's, let's take our shoes and let's step into the shoes of the mariners in this story. The Phoenicians that, that were on this boat. Let's step into their shoes for just a few moments. And let's look at the story of chapter number 1 through the eyes of one of these Phoenician boatmen. One of these Phoenician masters, mariners of the sea. Father, I thank you for the opportunity that you give us to be able to come together this morning. And God, you know that I have, I have already been begging you, Father, to intervene this morning and to, to speak to hearts. Lord, I, I need you, just like I need you every day, but I need you right now to, to speak through me. I, I ask, Lord, again, that you would fill me with your Spirit and help me, God, to be able to clearly portray this passage of Scripture, God. I pray, Lord, that those that are in this room would hear from you this morning. I pray, God, that we would be stirred by the Scripture this morning. Lord, as we think of this from maybe a different perspective, I pray that our hearts would be tender and be touched by your word, that we would be convicted by this passage that we're going to look at. Lord, I know it's familiar, and so many times, Lord, in our familiar, familiarity of, of these passages, Lord, it's, it's so easy for us just to glaze over. But I pray for a few moments, God, we would, we would focus intently on your word, and God, you would speak to us from it this morning. God, thank you for what you're going to do. I give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory for what it is that you're going to do. And I pray this in your Son, Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen. Amen. Today, as you climb on board to this familiar ship, you're not worried. There's no fear in your mind because as a Phoenician Boatmaster, Phoenician, mariner, you, you're very comfortable on the seas. You're comfortable on the boat. And as you board that day, you can feel the sun beating down on you. And it's a beautiful day. You can almost hear the birds chirping even amongst all the sound of the crowd all around you. 
As you walk up onto the ship, you can smell the smell of the salt in the air from that Mediterranean sea that you've spent so much of your life on. You walk onto that, that boat, and as you find your way onto that ship, you, you kind of glance over and you see some of the other crew member, and you simply give a nod or a wave as you, you climb onto that, that ship, and, and, and you're ready for another trip, another, another boat ride that you've been on so many times before. But listen, you're extremely comfortable. Why? Because you're a Phoenician. You, you've, you're an incredible master of the seas. You're able to navigate across this Mediterranean and see and you've done it so many times before just like so many other days just like so many other times it's just another trip on the boat you climb on board and you look over and you see the, the immense amount of, of crates and goods that are loaded onto this boat. After all, it is your job as a crew member to make sure that those goods make their way from Joppa to Tarshish. It's a part of your role to make sure that they make that trip safely across the Mediterranean Sea. And as you climb on there, you just kind of notice that it seems like there's a little more than usual, but not too much. I mean, you, you can handle it. You guys know that, that, that your boat can can take care of this uh, you're not really concerned you're not really worried but you do notice there's there's a few extra crates than maybe what you had initially expected as you're standing there on the boat all of a sudden you hear the ga- captain give the all clear and you watched as the ropes are untied from the dock and as the boat is pushed away from the dock and begins its voyage onto the sea as you start your way out there, it takes you just a moment, just like it always does. Because as the sway of the boat, it takes you just, just a brief moment to get your legs underneath you, to find your way into that familiar drift back and forth on that boat where you get your sea legs and, and you're comfortable now on this boat that you're so familiar with. Everything is going according to plan. It's about a day now into your trip that you've been traveling across and everything's going smoothly. You're making your way across the sea. At this point, you'll be uh, to the dock within a couple of days. and uh, This won't be a problem at all. And as you're making your way across there, you, you stand up for a moment just to kind of stretch and, and, and you can feel the, the perspiration begin to kind of go down your face because of the heat of the day. And, and you just kind of look over and off in the distance, you see some, some clouds forming. But this isn't unusual. I mean, this often would happen there on the Mediterranean Sea. In fact, you've been in many a storm, and this one so far away is not really anything to be concerned about. And so you just kind of brush it off like it's not a big deal, and you go back to your job rowing that boat, pulling the, the ropes there on that boat, making sure that everything is secure and everything's good to go as you're making a way across that sea. But all of the sudden, you feel... A drop that falls from the sky and you realize, oh, that's, that's kind of funny. I don't even see hardly any clouds around here. And all of a sudden there's a drop of rain falling from the sky. That's, that's kind of un, unusual. Uh, you know, it's kind of a funny thing when you're standing there in the sunshine and, and you start to feel rain. And, and so it's kind of a novel thing to, 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 to see the rain start to come down with hardly any, even any clouds around. But within just a few moments, the sun begins to darken. 
The clouds begin to form, and this is unusual. I mean, yes, you saw the clouds off in the distance, but for them to just all of a sudden just appear like that, that's very unusual, very, very strange thing to happen. All of a sudden, the boat starts to rock a little more than it usually does. Again, you're not worried because you're a master of the sea, and you go to your post and you begin to row just a little bit stronger to make sure that the boat stays under control. But it doesn't take long before you start to realize that things are getting a little more serious now. The boat begins to rock a little more. All of a sudden the lightning begins to crash. The rain begins to pick up. Now it's pounding on the deck so hard that you can barely hear one another as you shout the different commands back and forth to one another. And, and suddenly you start to feel a little bit of anxiousness in you because this storm's a little bigger than what you expected. A little more than what you anticipated. You look to your captain. Surely the captain will give a sign of confidence. He's been in many a storms. He's, he's been on the, the ship much longer than what you have. Many more storms than what you have been. And surely you will look to the captain and he will provide some form of comfort. But as you glance over at the captain, as he's giving commands, as you row, as you oar, as you pull the ropes... You see just a little bit of trepidation in his eyes, a little bit of, of, of worry that, that begins to glance across his face. It's then you realize this isn't just another storm. This is something more. You row harder. You work with everything that you've got. You're going as much as you can. And all of a sudden you realize if something doesn't change, you're going to end up at the bottom of the sea. In verse number 5 of chapter number 1, the Bible tells us, Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. All of a sudden, you hear one of the guys that's rowing next to you cry out. He starts to, to yell and he starts to scream as he's in terror of what is happening all around him. And, and all of a sudden, you start to think back to your upbringing as a Phoenician. You thank God of your, think back to many of your gods that you grew up worshiping. And so immediately as you're rowing that boat, you begin to pray to, to the gods of the sea. You begin to pray to the gods of the rain. You pray to the gods of the sky. You pray to all the gods that you can think of. But it's almost as if they don't even hear you. As the rain continues to pour down. As the waves continue to crash against the ship, as suddenly you realize everything is out of control, out of the corner of your eye, you see one of the crewmen who's gotten up from his post and suddenly he's grabbed one of those crates full of goods. And he takes it over, he holds it over to the side of the ship, and he throws it over. And suddenly, in your mind, your immediate reaction is, no, what are you doing? That, we have to get that safely all the way to Tarshish. If we throw that, that's our way of living, that's our money. If we throw it over the shore, what are we going to do? We're not going to make any money. And then all of a sudden, reality kicks in that, listen, if we don't lighten this ship, we aren't going to make it to the shore. And money's no good if you're dead at the bottom of the sea. 
So you jump from your post and you run over and you begin to grab some of those crates as well and you pull them over to the side of that ship and you as well begin to throw them overboard trying to lighten the ship, just trying to, 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 to find some way to, to help the ship to stay afloat while the waves crash against it. Unbeknownst to you as you're grabbing these crates, the captain is below deck. He's talking to a man. The captain's stunned to find this man at the bottom of this ship asleep in the middle of this storm. He goes to him and he fervently shakes him to wake him up. Verse number 6 tells us, So the shipmaster came to him and said to him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise! Call upon thy God, if it be so, if it be that God will think upon us that we perish not. Hear this pagan Phoenician sea captain is coming to this man that he does not know, but suddenly sees him asleep and he begins to beg him, please, please call on your God, whoever it is. Maybe he will spare us. What are you doing asleep here? Wake up! We need everybody, please, come on deck and beg your God to spare us. Back on deck again, there you are. And as you're grabbing another crate to throw it into the sea, you look over and you see the captain and this man coming up from the the bows of the ship. You don't recognize him. You, You don't, you don't, understand you you see his face but it's a face that you haven't seen before in fact maybe maybe you start to think i i think maybe i saw him whenever he initially got on the ship but i haven't really seen him so i mean i hadn't seen him before i haven't seen him after i just saw him get on the ship and, and you think to yourself well it's not uncommon for for somebody to be hitching a ride across the sea to be making their way uh, on this boat so it's not completely unusual but what's unusual about this situation is the look on the man's face. You see, while everyone else is terrified, everyone else is crying out, everyone else is scared, everyone else is is holding on by a thread because everything is out of control, you look at this man and you see something different. You see a face of almost expectance. A face of resolve. A face not of fear, but a face of Yeah, I kind of thought this was going to happen. You're refocused as one of the crew members calls out to you. You're trying to, 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 to lighten the ship. It's not working. And it's become evident to all that are on board that this is not a normal storm. Someone has done something to bring this upon all of those that are on that ship. So one of the mariners calls out to you and he grabs a bag. And you know this bag, you recognize it, you guys have used it many times before. He brings it over inside of this bag, there are two stones, flat stones. On one side of that stone is a light color, maybe painted a white. On the other side of that stone is a black color. You've used these before. When somebody was trying to make a decision and no one could settle it, you would take those stones, you would take them and you'd throw them out, you'd cast them out. And if they both landed white, the answer was yes. 
If they both landed black, the answer was no. And if they landed black and white, well, then you had to do it again. So you gather around. All the mariners are there standing on the ship now. All of the people on board are gathered around. And the question is asked, who is causing this storm? The first mariner grabs those those rocks. And as he kind of shifts them around in, in his hand, you recognize him because you guys have been on the boat for years. He's rowed with you. You, you. you know each other. Now listen, you're not close friends when you're off the ship, but you know him well enough to know he's got a family. He, he seems to be a pretty good guy. Surely it wouldn't be him that's done something like this. And, and so as he takes those stones and he casts them, sure enough, they both land on black. No, not him. The next guy grabs those stones into his hands and as he's holding them there, you know his story as well. But it's different. In fact, this guy... He just got released from prison for the third time before he got on the boat. And while you're confident about the other guy, you start to have some doubts. If somebody is causing this, it's that guy. He takes those stones in his hand and you can almost see the fear on his face as he's racking his brain. What have I done to cause this? He takes those stones and as he casts them out, white, yes, black. Oh, grab them again. He grabs them into his hands again and finally he takes them. And now in this moment, he's thinking, what have I done? And he takes it and he casts it out a second time and sure enough, black, black. It isn't him. They gather the stones again. It begins to make its own way around the, the, the ring. One after another, casting those stones. Black, 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 over and over again until all of a sudden it reaches this other man that's there. The one that you saw come up from the bows of the ship. And he takes them in his hands. And while the others, whenever they had them in their hands, had looks of fear... Once again, you look at his face and it's, it's something different. It's a look of, yeah, I know where this is going. He takes those stones and shuffles them in his hands and he casts them. And right away, everyone gasps. White. White. Right away, one of the men that are there stands up. And he looks at this this man that nobody recognizes. Who are you? Where are you from? What have you done? Look at verse number, number seven. Or verse number eight. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us? What is thine occupation? Whence comest thou? What is thy country? Of what people art there? Thou, who in the world are you that all of this is coming upon us? Our lives are in danger because of you. What have you done? 
Now as the waves continue to crash against the ship, as the the rain comes pouring down, everyone gets in a little bit closer to be able to hear this man begin to share his story. In verse number 9, he says to them, I'm a Hebrew, an Israelite, and I fear the Lord. The God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. He made the land and the sea. Your God, Yahweh, Jehovah. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. I've heard about him. You serve that God? You're an Israelite? You're a Hebrew? That's who you... You follow him? He created everything? But you're running from his presence? And you say that you fear him? How can you say that you fear the Lord and rebel against Him at the same time? What? You hear the other men cry out in fear and anger in verse number 10. They were exceedingly afraid and said unto Him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that He fled from the presence of the Lord because He had told them. Look what you've done. How could you do this? You tried to run from your God, and now you're going to get all of us killed. Captain, trying to show some strength, gathers his voice, and in verse number 11, he asks them, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us, for the sea rot was temptuous. What are we supposed to do? If, it's your, if you're the reason this has happened, then what do we do now? If we don't do something, we're all going to die. And this man whom you've never met up until this moment, and yet now he holds your very life in his hands, it seems. He speaks up in verse number 12. He says to them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. What? Are you kidding me? Throw you overboard into the sea? Listen, man, we're mariners, not murderers. Are you kidding? You want us to take you and throw you into the water where, it's, where you're going to die? Listen, we, we can't do that. There's, there's got to be another way. We can't sacrifice your life just so I can live. You can't put me in the position of deciding who lives and who dies. There's got to be another answer. All the men rush back to their posts. And now with a new ferocity that's greater than ever before. Everyone grabs the ropes. They grab the oars. And they begin to row with everything that they've got. With renewed passion. With ferocity. Everyone giving everything that they've got. 
Verse number 13 tells us, nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to land. But it didn't take long that they realized they could not. For the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. They fought and they fought. But it didn't take long until there was no fight left in them. Exhausted, they looked at the face of the other crew members. No one wants to do it, but they know what they have to do. All of a sudden, the man that boarded this ship right out of prison, he looks up to the sky. He cries out in verse number 14. We beseech thee, O Lord. We're begging you. We beseech you. Let us not perish for this man's life. And lay not upon us innocent blood. Don't make us do this. For thou, O Lord, it's you that has done as it pleased thee. God, we're trying everything that we've got. And there's nothing else that we can do. We don't want to take this man's life. But we've got nowhere else to go. So if we're going to do this, just know. We're doing it because you're making us do it. We've got nowhere else to turn. We've done all that we could do. We don't want to sacrifice this man's life. But according to him, this is what you have required us to do. So don't hold me accountable for this man's life. The tears well up in your eyes as you look over at this man that you just met. Jonah. And here he is, he's still standing there. And his face. Resolve. He knows what's coming. There's a fierceness, there's a sternness in his eyes. He would rather die than obey his God and go show mercy to a people that he hated. You and the other men gather around Jonah. You each grab a part of his body and as you reach and you, you grab his arm, your hands, fingers sink into his garment that he's wearing. It's soaked through from the rain that's been pouring from the waves that have been crashing over the edges of the ship. You can smell the must from the days of him running, boarding the ship, and now riding and asleep down there at the bottom. It's a familiar must that comes with sailing on the sea. Now as you make your way to the edge of the ship, it's almost too much to bear. You hear one of the men call out on the count of three. One. Two. And you take a deep breath. You hold it. Three. And you feel his garment leave your fingers. And you watch as he goes over the edge of that ship and disappears into the waves. All of you are standing there in stunned silence. Suddenly, 
There's a break in the clouds. That familiar feeling that just a little bit ago you would you had seen as the sun began to peer through and yet the rain was still coming down, reappears. You can see the, the rain falling as the sun begins to shine through and, and lights on your faces. You feel the warmth of it again. And you can't tell for sure, but it kind of feels like the waves aren't quite as rocky as they were just a few moments before. Verse number 15 tells us that they took Jonah and cast him into the sea and the sea ceased from her raging. You see the surprise on the other men's faces as well. Shock from all that just transpired and now like someone had just flipped the switch, it was all over. You quickly rush over to the side of the ship again and you look over thinking maybe we can still spare his life. Maybe we can pull him back out of the water, but Jonah's gone. Suddenly you turn and you look and you see the captain fall to his knees. Tears filling his eyes. This man who has faced terrible storms, who sailed these exact seas, this route for decades, but never has he experienced anything like he did on that day. And you hear a quiver in his voice as he speaks. That man that we just threw overboard, I don't know anything about him. But I do know that he served the one true God. There is no other God that could have done what I have seen today. And one by one, each of you fall to your knees and you cry out to the one true God, Jehovah Yahweh. Verse number 16 tells us, then the men feared the Lord Jehovah exceedingly. They offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. There on your knees that day, you vow that from that day forward, You will live your life in fear of the one true God. The God that as Jonah had told you was the God of heaven which had made the sea and the dry land. This morning, Christian, it was a pagan Phoenician ship captain that begged Jonah to pray when the man of God was running from the presence of God. It was a group of worldly mariners that cared more for the life of one man than they did for their own. While Jonah condemned a whole city to judgment. It was these pagan men on this ship who were willing to make and keep their vows to God while the man of God ran from his vow as a prophet of God. I wonder what the world sees when they look at your life and my life. We live in a world that is broken. 
there's anything that we've learned over this past week, it's that our confidence cannot be in government. (coughs) That we have no control. That it's God who truly is calling all the shots. We live in a world crying out for believers to pray. Just like the captain. Will you please pray? Will you please beg your God? And the world is calling out to Christians to pray. To get a hold of God. But where are our prayers? We live in a world that's begging for us to care, but we walk by without so much as a hello, let alone showing somebody Christ. We live in a world in need of Christians to live up to their name, Christian, and to do the things that Christians are supposed to do. To live up to the vow that is Christian. What is it going to take to make you and I start to care? What will it take to wake you and I out of our sleep? The world is begging for you and I to wake up and to pray to make a difference for Christ. And so many times we are just like Jonah in the belly of the ship. We're just like Jonah. And we would rather be thrown overboard and our life come to an end than truly take a stand for Christ. And do what we're supposed to do. This week, I'm sure many of you, like I did, watched as Christians in Ukraine made a conscious decision to stand out from the crowd, to be willing to give their lives and put their lives on the line if it meant an opportunity to give the gospel to a few more people. Christian, what is it going to take? This morning, we need prayer warriors. If you don't have a prayer life, stop playing around and get one today. Start praying. How do I pray? Hey, listen, friend, just come to God and talk to Him. We mentioned it last week that many times prayer, real prayer, is not some flowery group of words that we've heard recited over and over and over again. It's not reposting something on Facebook. Real prayer is like what those sea mariners were. Oh God, please don't make us do this. Oh God, please hear our prayers. God, please. When's the last time that you or I prayed like that? We were broken to the point that we didn't just say the flowery words or recite those same sayings that we always say in here. But it was real. We need believers who will care enough to tell someone that there is an eternity coming. That will care enough to go to someone and tell them 
There is a place called heaven and there is a place called hell. There is an eternity. And you're going to end up in one of them. Oh, listen, the people in Ukraine, they understand today that life is a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. And here we sit in our comfy chairs and in our heated auditorium and we can't even identify with it. We can't even wrap our minds around it. Not even, I mean, just not even a little bit. We think we're going to live forever. But it's appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. And if you know Christ, what a promise it is to know that you're going to spend eternity in heaven. If you don't know Christ, you can get that settled where you're seated this morning. But listen, friend. There is a world all around us that does not know. And we are passing by, content to watch the world, Nineveh, die and go to hell while we stand back and do nothing. You know what we need? We need Christians that won't just make another decision, but will decide to keep the ones that they've made. That when we vow a vow to the Lord, make a decision for the Lord, that we actually follow through. This morning, let's learn a lesson from the eyes of these mariners. Hear the cries from our broken world in the midst of rocky seas and uncertain storms. Just like the mariners, they're, they're looking for answers. It's just, is there somebody who, who, who knows what's going on here? Are you just going to stay asleep in the bottom of the boat? Or will you answer their call? <laughs> yeah, I know what's happening here. I know exactly what's happening. Can I tell you what's happening here? No, 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 listen. Yeah, I know about Putin. I know about Russia. I know about Ukraine. I know about all those things that's going on. But let me tell you what's really happening here. We live in a sin-cursed world. And unfortunately, sinners do what sinners do. But I, I want to give you some good news. This world, it's not my final home. Oh, listen, my hope is not here. My hope is one day I'm going to see my Jesus face to face. And let me tell you, you can know him too. That is real hope. And this morning, I hope you'll decide to wake up and go to a world that needs to hear it. Let's have heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. We are going to have a time of invitation here at the end of the service. And I hope this morning that you'll just respond to the Lord. If God has spoken to your heart this morning, I hope that you will answer Him. This morning, maybe you heard the cries of these mariners, and suddenly you realize that that is what's going on in our world today. And you're not content just to sit back like Jonah. You don't want to just let the world lost and dying. You don't want to just let them go to hell. You want to step in and you want to try to do something for Christ. Hey, listen, you may not be able to win them all, but as many as you can get, you want to go and get them. You want to help them. 
You want to tell them about Christ. Maybe this morning you just realized, I need to pray. My life has been a lack of a prayer life, and this morning I realize I need to pray. With heads bowed and with eyes closed, we're going to have a time of invitation this morning. And if the Lord spoke into your heart, I hope you respond to him. Father, thank you for this day. Bless this time now of invitation, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. With heads bowed and with eyes